Okay, I want to invite you to grab your Bibles, turn to the book of Revelation, chapter 20, I'm sorry, chapter 18, I almost said 22. This is going to be, uh, speaking of 20, our 22nd message in the book of Revelation. Hopefully you've got it down pat by now. We've been studying all the way through the book of Revelation the last few months, and we're coming to chapter 18. The title of the message today is Clean Out the Clutter. Clean Out the Clutter. And I'll be honest with you, as we look at Revelation 18, uh, it's a very challenging chapter to try to preach on, and so I've been really wrestling over this passage all week long, asking the Lord for wisdom and insight, and, um, and so God's placed some things on my heart to share with you today that I think will be a blessing to you. In the book of Revelation, chapter 18, we're going to look today at several thoughts in this particular chapter. But by the way of introduction, I want to ask you, uh, have, uh, have you decided you're going to vote? How many have already decided you're going to vote, all right? Have you decided who you're going to vote for? Well, I hope that you have, and I'm not going to tell you how to vote or who to vote for, but I am going to tell you, you need to do that. Can I tell you who I'm voting for? I'm voting for Jesus. You know why I'm voting for Jesus? I'll tell you why. Because he doesn't ride on the back of a donkey or an elephant. He rides on the clouds of glory. And I'll tell you something else about our Lord. The reason I'm going to vote for him is because when he comes, he's going to set up his kingdom, and his kingdom, there's not going to be any end. In fact, we won't see real peace until he, the Prince of Peace, comes and establishes his rule in the uh, Temple Mount, actually on the throne, in the Temple Mount. And you know, speaking of that, uh, speaking of voting and that sort of thing, somebody told me the other day, they said, Preacher, did you hear about the lady that got married? She, first of all, married a banker, and then she married a circus director, and then she married a preacher, and then she married a funeral director. I said, what? He said, yeah, you hear about this lady that married first a banker, and then a circus director, and then a preacher, and then a Funeral director? I said, no, I didn't hear about that. He said, yep, one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready, and four to go. All right. And so <laughs> that's what we're fixing to do. Get in the book of Revelation, chapter 18, and here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to look at this chapter, and I appreciate so much you coming, tuning in every week, and those listening, and I need your prayers, and I'm praying for each of you. And I just bless the Lord for His presence and what the Lord's showing us in this book. I got some feedback this week. Somebody said, you know, uh, Brother Pastor, I sure appreciate us studying the book of Revelation. God has shown me some things here. And so uh, we're just so thankful to God for what the Lord is doing in our life. And uh, we're going to be primarily looking at two uh, steps in order to clean out the clutter. Uh, how many of y'all got clutter around your house? Let me see your hand. Probably everybody's got some clutter around your house. Now, I, I'll be honest with you, it doesn't stay long around our house. Deanna's like a vacuum cleaner. She'll just come right past me. I'm the world's worst. I'm the world's worst at keeping things. I'll save little bolts and uh, screws and all kind of stuff. I, you know, I, I've got the, I'm under the impression of I'd rather need it and have it than uh, not have it and need it. So I'm, I'm just a pack rat. I'll accumulate stuff and just have it there because I would rather have it. Well, we're talking about how to clean out the clutter. And we're going to primarily look at two things, the time permitting this morning. And that will be uh, one is that we can't fix the political problems in Washington 
are in the world, but we can have the favor of God. And we'll see that very clearly in the book of Revelation chapter 18. Then number two, not only we might not be able to fix the political uh, problems in the world or in Washington, but we can focus on the promises of God regardless of where we're at. So I want to encourage you to turn there. If you're not there already, Revelation 18. If you'd like to stand, I'm going to read uh, for the sake of time today just uh, the first five verses of the book of Revelation chapter 18. Revelation chapter 18, this is probably more than likely at a end part of the book of Revelation and in the tribulation era. Revelation 18 verse 1. And after these things, that phrase, after these things, is the word metatolta. After these things, I saw another angel, and this is not a theophany, it's not Jesus, it's an angel. I saw another angel, alon is the word another, just simply means another angel. You'll note there's another angel in Revelation 18 as well, and another voice. But wait a minute, let's read verse 1 again. And after these things, keep in mind chapter 17, we've already looked at it. It's the description of ecclesiastical Babylon, but chapter 18 is commercial political Babylon. After these things, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power, and the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen. That word is fallen, is fallen means instantaneously. It's in the aorist tense. It means Babylon suddenly has fallen. Babylon, the, all the political world system has fallen. Keep reading. And notice verse 2, the middle of it, is become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And then verse 4, please underline it, underscore it, please note it somehow. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her. Come out of her. Let's say that together. Come out of her. One more time. This is the phrase that leaped off the pages and got in my heart, and God began to develop the message from this verse right here. I heard another voice. That is, another voice besides the angel in verse 1. From heaven, note, saying, Come out of her, my people. God is calling his people. Come out of her. Come out of what? Ecclesiastical, uh, I'm sorry, commercial Babylon. Or, of course, Ecclesiastical Babylon is in chapter 17. Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sin, and that you receive not of her plagues. Her sins have reached unto the heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. I want to stop right there. But like I said, for the sake of time, I'm, I want to do justice to the Word of God, but our time will not permit to go through the whole chapter. Father, in the name of Jesus, I need you now like never before. I thank you for your sweet Holy Spirit and for the peace that passes understanding. We've come today, Father, to worship you, the living God of heaven and earth. I bless you that you're on your throne. Your kingdom's an everlasting kingdom. 
Lord, we need help from above. Our world is in, uh, oh God, uh, a desperate need and condition for Jesus, you to come again and for uh, you to extend your amazing grace and unconditional love. And I pray for the saints, Father, those who are blood-bought and blood-washed today, that you'll build us up in the Word, that you'll prepare us what's to come hereafter. Let us know, Lord, the days in which we're living and how we're to live and what we're to do. And, oh, God, thank you for being overcomers in you and through you. And when all said and done today, I pray that your Holy Spirit will search us and you'll, Lord, cleanse my heart. And, oh God, that you'd fill us afresh. You'd fill us today. And we thank you now for this uh, time you, uh, Lord, have allowed us to open your blessed word. We pray, speak, Holy Spirit, give us ears to hear and hearts to obey. Change us. Change me and encourage us, Lord. Again, may the joy bells of heaven ring in our soul. All distractions, all the things that went on yesterday and the, this week and things that are occupying our mind and hearts, I pray that you'll help us to lay aside every uh, distraction and every weight as you tell us in Hebrews and uh, that we'd look to you, the author, the finisher of our faith. We love you and give you glory now for your great love Thank you for saving me. Thank you for loving me. Thank you, Father, again for those here. I pray for those listening, God, that you'd reach out your long arm of grace and uh, rescue the perishing. And, oh, Lord, lift up again those discouraged and depressed. And we'll give you glory and praise because, Jesus, you alone are worthy. We thank you. You hold the king's heart in your hand. And as the rivers of water, you turn it whithersoever way you will. And we can rest our Lord in that blessed assurance because Jesus is mine. And oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. So be honored, we ask, and thank you now for what you're going to do and the lives that will be changed and the souls that will be saved. And we pray it in Jesus' name, Father, with thanksgiving. And the church said, amen and amen and amen. You may be seated. Alrighty, again, thank you so much for coming. And as we're getting transitioned now, the book of Revelation, chapter 18. Turn there, please. Number one, clean out the clutter. That's what we're going to consider today, clean out the clutter. Probably a lot of us have not only clutter around our house, but we've probably got clutter in our life. Is there anybody here that's got some clutter in your life? Probably so. Maybe your mind just got a little clutter in it. You, have you cleaned out the clutter in your mind? <laughs> Do you need to clean out the clutter in your heart? What about clean out the clutter in your home? We probably, all of us, have a little clutter. We could do some cleaning out and asking the Lord to clean out the clutter. Here's where we're going today in the message. We're looking at this subject of uh, political babbling. Now, when we get to the Bible and we talk about babbling, you're well aware of the fact there was a nation or a world-dominant power called Babylon back in the days of Daniel. And yet Babylon fell by the Medo-Persian Empire. We can see that verified in the book of Daniel chapter 5. So this is not referring to Babylon as in the uh, world empire of Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, and others. But uh, rather, this Babylon is a picture of political 
materialistic uh, babbling that's so prevalent in our day-to-day. Now, chapter 17, please make this note or else it might be somewhat confusing. Chapter 17 of the book of Revelation, we've already looked at in times past a few weeks ago. This is religious Babylon, mystery Babylon, ecclesiastical Babylon. So differentiate, please, between chapter 17 and chapter 18. And you'll find out more what we mean about this globalism. How many know what I'm talking about when I say globalism? Let me see your hand. How many know what I'm talking about when I say globalism? Let me see your hand. All right, a few people do. I'm not sure everybody does. Well, there's a globalism mindset in our world right now. In fact, I almost put up some pictures as I was developing this of some mind, some people rather, that have this globalistic mindset that are in America. And there's an underlying agenda under the political system that we're now living in presently in 2020. And there are those who are pumping their agenda in our world. It's called a globalistic mindset. It's described here in the book of Revelation chapter 18. I find it interesting, beloved. I was up early this morning about 3 o'clock and I was reading and it all of a sudden dawned on me here in this passage that we are being persecuted now, the church is, and Christians are being persecuted, and we're being judged by this world. But I got news for you. One of these days, and here is a reference that we will be uh, sitting by while God judges this uh, political world system. And so, that sure encouraged my heart. Let's get right into the text, okay? Clean out the clutter. Notice in verse 1 through 5, we can't fix the political problems in Washington or the world. How many know we can't fix the problems up in Washington and in the world? But I've got news for you. We can have the favor of God on us. How many of y'all want the favor of God on your life? Let me see your hand. How many want to have the peace of God in the midst of chaos in your life? We need the peace of God. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. And in spite of what's going on in our world with globalism mindset, and decisions are being made, and there is a movement across our world. In the midst of that, we can walk in victory in the Lord Jesus. And that's what I want to encourage you today, that you and I don't have to be overtaken by the world. Why? Because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Let's say that together. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And John said, that's by the way, 1 John 4 and 4, Love not the world, neither the things in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of God, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God shall abide forever. And you see, we're going to talk more in detail of what we mean by this. But first of all, focus with me and let's... Uh, identify we can't fix the political problems in Washington or in the world, but we can notice verse 4. Read verse 4 with me again. I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sin, that you receive not of her plagues. What does this mean to come out of her? And uh, let me just back up and give you a chronological. Look up here, please, everybody. Uh, notice here is a timeline of what we're going to talk about today. And I think this is very important. Can you all see that in the back, Vince, way back there? Can you see that bud back in the back? 
Can you see this chart? I sat back there last night, and I think you can see it. Maybe some of you over here might be hard-pressed to see every little thing, but I think you can probably see that. Can you see that, Garrett, in the back? Probably you can see that. Uh, this is what I want you to pay attention to for just for a moment. Why? Because this will give us uh, a chronological time frame as to where we're at in Revelation chapter 18 and some basic events that are leading up to this particular passage of Scripture and filling in the blank, all right? The next event on God's calendar, this is the earth, a, the church age rather, chapter 2 and chapter 3 of the book of Revelation. Let me just back up to chapter 1. In chapter 1, we describe John being up in age. He's uh, in his 90s and writing this particular book, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He's exiled as a prisoner on the Isle of Patmos, and God gives him a great vision. He says, uh, write the things you've seen, Jesus Christ in his glorified state, write the things that are, the seven churches we've already discussed and read those in chapter 2 and 3, and then write the things which shall be hereafter, chapter 4, all the way up to chapter 22. There's the key to outlining the whole book of Revelation. All right, so as we look at this chart, the next event, I personally believe, is the rapture of the church, the great getting up morning, the snatching away. Why? Uh, for a number of reasons. For example, uh, the word ecclesia is not mentioned, church, in the whole book of Revelation, chapter 6 to chapter 18. Uh, that's interesting to me that the church is not mentioned. However, it's mentioned 25 times in the book of Revelation. Uh, not that alone, by the way. Uh, Israel, on the other hand, is mentioned uh, 30 times in the book of Revelation. 85% of the time is mentioned in the tribulation time. Therefore, I conclude Israel is the primary focus during the tribulation. Not only that, but if you read the Old Testament, namely the book of Daniel, chapter 9, verse 27, you find out from chapter 20, uh, chapter 9, rather, verse 24 through 27, that this is God's focal point, Israel, and the Lord is going to accomplish His will with the Jews during the tribulation. What I mean by that? The 144,000 male virgin Jews will be supernaturally sealed during the tribulation. We study that in chapter 7, chapter 14 of the book of Revelation. And in addition to that, the two witnesses will be uh, able to share and, of course, will be killed but resurrected in the streets. We read that in the book of Revelation chapter 11. So the tribulation will be at the moment after the rapture of the church. Let me give you the reference. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17 is one text where Paul, by the way, he's writing to the church of Thessalonica. How long he had been there? Three weeks. Three weeks. These were young Christians. Every once in a while, somebody say, Pastor, I don't understand all this end-time prophecy. Really? Paul spent three weeks, not three years, not 30 years, three weeks at this church, Thessalonica, and he spoke on the uh, rapture and the coming of the Lord. Three weeks now, these were young Christians. So I <laughs> tell you, if he could uh, teach three-week-old Christians, certainly we can learn as well, no matter how long we've been a Christian. And so in 1 Thessalonians 4, he says, The Lord will descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. The dead in Christ shall rise first. And those of us that are alive and remain caught up together with them the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord, caught up, snatched away, 
You know what, beloved? That means more and more to me today than it had uh, a year ago with my dad going to be with the Lord. I'm looking forward to that. I really am. Do you ever long for heaven? Do you ever want to see your loved ones again? Oh, my, I'm there right now, and I look forward to seeing those I've had the privilege of being the pastor. In fact, I saw a man the other night. It was Friday night. I went out to grab a bite to eat, and the man, I saw him, and I was talking with him. We were reminiscing, and the next thing you know, it dawned on me I have had the privilege of preaching five people in his family, his direct family, five of his relatives in one family. And I think I said, Lord, thank you for the privilege of knowing these uh, people all these years and then watching them caught away in heaven. So, the rapture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 15, I'm sorry, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16 and 17. And then, if you'll notice, 1 Corinthians 15 is what I meant to say, uh, in the twinkling of an eye, the Lord will come back again and uh, this event will take place. John 14 is another good reference. Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. Can I take a time out just for a moment? Now, you might not be able to see this on the live stream video, but I could right here. James and Connie Powell just walked in. We've been praying for their son, David, for weeks and weeks and weeks. He was in a car wreck, and I prayed with James. I prayed with Connie two or three times, and I hadn't heard from you the last few days. I'm assuming he had his surgery, and he's doing well. Come on, let's bless the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 So we give God glory. We're talking about a living God. We're talking about, you know, we may not be able to change things in Washington or in the world when it comes to the political scene. However, we can have the favor of God. And we can have the Spirit of God filling us, anointing us, and enabling us to be more than conquerors as Romans chapter 8 and verse 35 and 36, Paul makes reference to that. So that's the message to you today is, uh, yes, we're in the world, but we're not to be of the world because this world is not a friend of grace, according to James chapter 4. So we're to live in the world, but not get caught in the mainstream of the mindset, the dog-eat-dog, uh, the corruption we'll see in a moment. But let me continue on, all right? After the rapture of the church, this tribulation time is where the Revelation 18 context will fit in, namely at the end of the tribulation. But let me remind you, at the beginning of the tribulation, the Antichrist will confirm this covenant with the Jewish people for seven years. One week is the reference in Daniel 9, 27. And at the beginning of the tribulation, according to Revelation chapter 6, God will begin to pour out his uh, wrath, wrath, not, not his goodness, the wrath of God, the wrath of the Lamb is come. And that's Revelation chapter 6, verse 17. It means it's come and it's going to continue on. The beginning of these seven seals, the white horse rider, black horse rider, red horse rider, pale uh, green horse rider, where judgment will fall on the earth. And in addition, um, in rapidity and uh, in severity, will follow with the trumpet judgments. And if you want a reference, that will be Revelation chapter 8. And cataclysmic events, catastrophic events will take place on planet Earth. The grass, the trees, the uh, 
heavenly bodies uh, will be affected by the judgment of God and uh, that will also release demonic creatures that will be uh, released from the abyss in Revelation 9. And following that judgment, not only the seven seals and the seven trumpets, but the vile judgments will begin in chapter 16 of the book of Revelation. Now, I said all that to lead us up to some events in this tribulation time. I must hasten to remind you that at the beginning of the tribulation, Ezekiel 38 and 39, I believe, will take place of the invasion of Israel from the north, uh, also referenced in Psalm 83. Gog and Magog, this coalition of nations, will invade only to be intercepted and intervened by our mighty God who will destroy this army, five-sixths of the army. And I personally believe this is why the Muslims, Islam, will not be a dominant world power during the end time because of the common denominator of these nations, Meshach, Tubal, Tagarma, that's Turkey, Persia, which is modern-day Iran, along with uh, Gog and Magog, Magog being Russia, and uh, a few other of those uh, countries will invade Israel. Now, here's what I want to get to. Now, as we go through the tribulation time, uh, this will culminate in a battle called the Battle of Armageddon. Literally, that's a campaign. It leads up to not the rapture, but the second coming of Christ. Last week we studied, remember, after the rapture of the church, what's going to take place? The judgment seat of Christ. So let every one of us appear before the judgment seat of Christ that we may receive what we've done in the body, whether it be good or bad. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. And 1 Corinthians 3 tells us that our works will be tested by the fiery eyes of the Lord, whether it's built on wood, hay, and stubble, or gold, silver, precious stone. And either we'll suffer loss as in forfeit a reward, or we'll be rewarded in glory. How many of y'all want to receive a crown when you get to heaven? There's at least five crowns mentioned in the Bible. Runner's crown, watcher's crown, soul winner's crown, crown of life, shepherd's crown. And uh, so uh, we'll cast these crowns the feet of according to Revelation chapter 4. But at any rate, we're coming to this end of the tribulation where chapter 14 and verse 4, Zechariah said, His feet shall stand upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem. The Mount of Olives shall cleave in two from the east to the west. There shall be a great valley. At this event, namely, the second coming of Christ is also mentioned in the book of Matthew chapter 24. Jesus made reference. The context of Matthew 24, we call that the Olivet Discourse. He said that in reference to the temple, not one stone would be standing upon another. Did it happen? Was it fulfilled? Absolutely. Forty years later, as it stormed in and destroyed the temple, to this day, temple standing because of the Romans destroying the temple. And yet in Matthew 24, Jesus said in reference to the abomination of desolation, the Antichrist, chapter 24, verse 15, he's referencing the book of Daniel. I know it's the tribulation time, not the rapture. Some confuse it with the rapture. How do I know that? Because if you read Matthew 24, verse 29, you'll find this. Jesus said immediately, after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened, the moon shall not give its light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, 
Then shall the Son of God come in the clouds of heaven with power and glory. By the way, let me give you another reference. Luke chapter 1, verse 24 following. Luke 21. I find this event very interesting, beloved. We're talking about Babylon and what's the going to be a future political Babylon as referenced here in Revelation 18. In Luke 21, and I know I'm a lot of verses. You might be able to catch this. If not, you can go to our YouTube. You can go to Facebook. I even see this again and write down the references. Take time. Jesus said in Luke 21, take your fall. Uh, shall be taken captive into all nations, and Jerusalem shall be trotted down by the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. Until the times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. That will take place during the tribulation time. The times of the Gentiles be fulfilled. And there shall be signs of the sun, the moon, the stars, distress of nations, perplexity, the sea and the waves, roarings, men's hearts failing them for fear for the things which are come upon the earth. And then shall the Son of God come in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. When all these things come to pass, look up, lift up your heads, your redemption draws nigh. Yes, we've read the last page, praise the Lord. Another reference is Revelation 19. John sees uh, us, the bride of Christ. Remember, after the rapture, judgment seat of Christ, marriage of the Lamb. Last week, just that referenced here in the book of Revelation, the marriage of the Lamb, chapter 19. And we'll come back for the marriage supper. But wait a minute. I was leading up to this battle called Battle of Armageddon. It's at the uh, conclusion of the tribulation. God is going to not only evangelize the Jews, but he's also going to fill the times of the Gentiles during the tribulation. In addition, Satan's kingdom will be overthrown. And we're going to see that uh, later in the book of Revelation, chapter 20 and verse 10. But the Antichrist is going to emerge, and the Antichrist is going to be a world player in this uh, Revelation, chapter 18. The Antichrist will have his right-hand man, namely the false prophet. And you can see the role of the false prophet. And that false prophet will be a religious ruler. And uh, this will take place uh, in the beginning of the tribulation with the false church. Revelation 17 literally will fit right here in the tribulation, at the beginning of the tribulation, the apostate church. And that's why you need to know what you believe, believe what you know during these days. There's a lot of false things going on in our world. And that's why I'm so grateful to God you're studying the Word of God. And in the middle of the tribulation, the Scripture teaches in fact, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul said this, that uh, except there first come a falling away and then the man of sin be revealed. He's referencing the end time. He's talking about the day of the Lord. I know that because you can read 2 Thessalonians 2. And keep in mind, 2 Thessalonians was written after 1 Thessalonians. Three weeks at 1 Thessalonians, the, the, the church Thessalonica, shortly thereafter he wrote Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, second letter to the Thessalonian believers. And he said this, for example, in chapter 2, verse 1, he said, I beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, our gathering together unto him. The phrase gathering together unto him is a reference to the rapture. But he's fixing to talk about the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord will follow the rapture. 
He said, let no man deceive you. That day, the day of the Lord, will not come except first they come a falling away. And then the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, so that he sits in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And so all that is saying is this, that there will be a falling away. Many believe that to be politically. Many believe that to be religiously, spiritually. Others interpret that phrase as rapture or departure, a falling away. Either way, it's happening. And the Antichrist will sit in the temple halfway through the tribulation and show himself to be God. That's what he's already always wanted to do, the, um, this man of sin. And yet, let me just quickly point out and move on. He'll set up an image in the temple and leave the temple uh, around somewhere around that time frame. And let me just say this. The headquarters of the false church, the apostate church, I believe to be the infrastructure at least of Rome. Why? Because the book of Daniel. Now I'm referring now, I'm going back to the first of the tribulation. All this is important that we get our bearings right to understand chronologically when does Revelation 18 take place. I'm saying all that to lead us up to that. All right? So the false church at the beginning of the tribulation the infrastructure, I believe, to be Rome. I had the privilege of being in Rome. I've got other reasons besides the ten kings as referenced in Daniel chapter 7. Are you getting these references down? Daniel 7, verse 7 and 8. Are you getting these references down? Daniel chapter 7, verse 24 through 25. Revelation chapter 17 and verse 12 is the reference to these ten kings, these ten horns, and one horn being the Antichrist comes from those. You know, it's one thing to talk about things. It's another thing to reference them in the Bible. So I want you to get the Scripture, not just my opinion. I'm giving you references where we're coming to these conclusions. All right? So the Antichrist leaves the temple. Now, I said all that to say this. At the end of the tribulation, the Antichrist, I believe, watch this, will make his way over to Babylon, not the nation of Babylon, and not religious Babylon in chapter 17, but literal city of Babylon as referenced to in the book of Revelation. Today, there's a city called Babylon. How many know that? There's a city called Babylon right now. That will be the headquarters of the Antichrist. Now, this will be uh, not the Babylon referenced in, Daniel, in Revelation 18, but this will be the Babylon as in where the Antichrist will set up his headquarters at the end of the tribulation. Can I say it this way? The Lord Jesus, when he comes back again, praise his holy name, he is going to destroy Babylon. That's what we just read in Revelation 18. Babylon, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. <laughs> Babylon is fallen, Babylon is fallen, Babylon the great is fallen. The political world system will fall and religious Babylon will be dealt with. And immediately our Lord will usher in his kingdom, which there shall be no end. So now you've got a chronological background of Revelation chapter 18, where we're at right now. So now that we've got that settled, let me just give you uh, quickly as I share some practical application to the text. We can't fix the political problems in Washington or in the world. These mindsets, these things going on in our world. The globalism mindset. And there's a difference in nationalism versus globalism. I trust you'll go and study that out. 
at any rate, uh, the political problems. And here's what I mean by that. We can't fix the political problems, but we can have the favor of God, the greed that is represented versus generosity. Jesus said right here in Luke chapter 12 and verse 15, Take heed, beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of things he possesses. Nothing wrong with having possessions. The problem is when they have us. And there's a mindset of this world system, this political globalism mindset of greed. Get all you can, can all you get. In fact, Paul referenced to his son in the Lord, Timothy, and he said, Timothy, and I'm paraphrasing, he said, many are going to drown in an ocean of greed because they want more, more, more. But notice the comparison and contrast of generosity. Jesus said, given it should be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give it to your bosom. That's Luke chapter 6 and verse 38. Notice what the Lord said through Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He said, he that sows sparingly is going to reap sparingly, but he that sows bountifully is going to reap bountifully. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 following. And then he said, for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. You see, here's what he's teaching us in the Bible. It's more blessed to give than receive. We are to be channels. We're not to hoard up the gifts and the blessings and the provisions of an Almighty God. Rather, we're to be blessings. We're to let the blessings flow through us and God entrust us to get blessings to others. That's the principle of a Christian life. Opposite of greed, notice, and this political world system. We can't fix that, but we can make some changes in our life. Number two, hatred versus compassion. If there's a time uh, there's hatred uh, pervading our streets and permeating our land, I don't, and you don't have to be a rocket scientist to turn on the news to see the hatred and the animosity and this age of rage, bitten with bitterness. You see, uh, we got to live in the world, but we don't have to be of the world. And, and God says that uh, we can... Uh, live uh, as overcomers. How? Instead of hatred, uh, you know, we can have compassion. Why? Because our Lord, write this reference down, Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 following, Matthew's gospel, portraying our Lord as the king of the Jews. Jesus looked out and saw the masses. They, they, were, they were plentiful, and, and they had a lot of needs. And I love the text where it says, his heart was moved with compassion. Literally, the reference there and the uh, rendering of the translation is he was, uh, uh, his bowels were moved. I mean, he had compassion. He was moved with compassion. Why? He saw them like a sheep without a shepherd, and the fields were white under harvest. Listen, beloved, I know the COVID-19 has taught us a lot. I'll be honest with you, speaking of this political world system set, see if you agree with me. One thing for sure that the Lord is teaching me and teaching us is that we're not in control. And by the way, you can see where we thought we were in control. You can see absolutely the stage being set for a world political ruler who has answers. And I'll show you in a moment. Uh, I, uh, I noticed, let me just go ahead and fast forward because my time's getting... Um, uh, up on me. I read uh, this last week. This was uh, last Sunday. Uh, Biochips might be used to detect, detect COVID by next year. 
These implantable biochips are developed by the U.S. government-funded Defense Advanced Research Project. All I'm saying is what, what's going on right now. I mean, here's a, a lengthy article about these biochips. Uh, COVID-19 has taught us a lot. Now, we are not in control. We've, the government's not in control. And uh, God is in control. And so here is uh, setting the stage for this political ruler, this Antichrist, to move on the scene, have answers. And people uh, listen to that. Revelation 18 is right where we're talking about. Let me go back to what we were referencing, hatred versus compassion. How about this, number three? These are practical uh, applications that we can make to Revelation 18. I was tempted to read Revelation 18 and try to expound on it. If you try to read it and try to explain it, I'll tell you, it's not as easy as you think. You try to read it and explain it to somebody who hadn't read it, and you'll see what I'm talking about. And so after reading it over and over and over and over and over and praying over it over and over again, I said, Lord, how in the world are we going to be able to convey that to anybody, I, let alone myself and let alone anybody else? But here's some practical uh, tips that I think you'll be able to apply to your life, being doers of the Word, not hearers only, right away. Third, self-serving versus Christ committed. Here is the world system mindset, greed, hatred, self-serving. But on the opposite of the spectrum, generosity, compassion, Christ committed. Why? Christ lives in us. Why? Jesus has changed my heart. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And so, self-serving, self-serving. It's all about me. It's all about my. It's all about what I want. Self-serving. And I'll be honest with you, uh, not only the millennial generation, but baby boomer generation, and we're all in this uh, uh, this mad dash to preserve self, self-self. But Jesus said, if you really want to follow me, you've got to deny yourself, take up a cross. I mean, the Lord said, if you want to be committed to me and you really want me to fulfill my will in your life, then you've got to recognize it's not about you, it's about him. And, and therefore, not my will, but your will be done. And... and uh, Therefore, I, we take our place on the cross, crucified with Christ. And we, you know, Jesus said, if you really want to be great, you know what he told us what we ought to be? Servants. Hello, servants. He said, if you want to be great, learn to be a servant. It's not how many people are serving you, it's how many people you are serving. wonder what would happen if you went out of this church right here this morning and you was going to say, I'm going to be a blessing to somebody. I, I'm going to show generosity. I'm going to show compassion. I want to be a servant of the living God. Wonder what would happen. I'll tell you what would happen. Lives would be changed. That's what would happen. But these are just practical things. So Jesus took a towel and he began to wash the disciples' feet in John chapter 13. And then you know what he said? He looked at the disciples. He said, now I want you to go and do the same thing. He said, go do likewise. So we can't fix the political problems. Oh, we can all sit around and complain about stuff going on. And we all do it. But rather than sit around trying to fix the problems and complain about the problems, we can do something about it, no matter what the political situation will be. By the way, let me just stop right there and say that uh, I hope, as I said in the, by the way of introduction, I hope you will vote. And uh, by the way, how many of y'all saw the march yesterday? Uh, Franklin Graham had, uh, and I saw where there were 50,000 people. Uh, Vice President Pence spoke at this when I got home last night about 10, 15. I left the church and went home, and I found it, and Mike Pence and his wife were there.
And he spoke to the crowd. They said it was 50,000. I don't know. But certainly prayer is an answer, okay? And it certainly helps. So there are some things that God is doing. Now, so we are the salt of the earth. In Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, Jesus said to the disciples, you are the salt of the earth. But let me tell you something. The salt isn't good until what? It's got to get out of the shaker. <laughs> salt, you might want it and like it, but it's not going to do you any good until you've got to get it out of the shaker. And so we are the salt of the earth. That's what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, if the salt has lost its savor, it's thenceforth good for nothing. But, but he cast out and trod under the foot of men. And then he said, you are the light of the world. And a city set on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, that it gives light to all in the house to see. Let your light so shine before men they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And, and so we're to be salt and light, uh, yeah, preserving a decaying society. But I'll be honest with you, can I just be frank with you today as I've tried to thus far? My trust is not in Washington. My dependence is not upon the politicians. It doesn't matter if it's Republicans or Democrats. I'll tell you what, I've read the last page, and if we don't put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we are going to be sadly disappointed. It's the Word of God that does not change. And while I've got my personal convictions, and I hope you do as well, I hope you're not putting all your eggs in a political basket because if you do, you're going to come up sadly disappointed. We need the blessings of God. We need the power of God. We need the glory of God. We need the unction of God. We need to fulfill God's purpose. And while others are looking to the White House, God's looking to the church house. And so that's the message to us. We can get caught up in all of these political problems. And I heard somebody say yesterday, said, you know, I, 30 years ago, we wouldn't be caught in all this politics. Every time you turn around, the phone's ringing, there's an ad on the TV. Uh, there's paper coming in the mail. Politics, politics everywhere you look. And it's because we've become, listen, beloved, it, it, I, I'm afraid we've come too dependent upon the politicians and we need to put our dependence upon the Lord God Almighty. And I'm praying for revival in America. Amen. So here's the bottom line. We can't fix the problems in Washington or the world. But, oh, yes, come out from among them. Notice this. I'm closing. Come out from her. Come out from her. God's saying, don't you be like that. Yeah, you need to be informed. And my people perish for lack of knowledge. You need to be informed. But keep your Bible close by because that's what's going to be fulfilled. We can focus on the promises of God. Rejoice uh, over her, heaven, and you apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. I've got news for you. Like I said, um, we might be under judgment now. The world might be judging us as Christians, and more and more persecution will come to fruition. I'm well aware of the Supreme Court justice uh, that is being nominated, uh, Ms. Barrett, and yet uh, time will tell as to that, but I'll be honest with you even there. While I'm glad uh, there are some conservative Supreme Court justices, I don't put my trust in the Supreme Court justices. I put my trust in this right here, the Word of God. Because they can flip-flop too. Can I get a witness? They can flip-flop too. But God won't disappoint you. The Lord won't disappoint you. So I'm closing. Now where did I put my Bible? Spiritual clutter. 
uh, there, sometimes we can get spiritual clutter in our life. Remember, clean up the clutter. Here's a man, <laughs> he's got a lot of clutter uh, with him, and he says, uh, it says here, uh, Jeff Larson wrote this, those urgent items that keep us from intimacy with God, TV and sports and recreation and movies and stuff, his Bible's behind him. He can't find his Bible. Hey, let me ask you a question. You got some clutter in your life? Would you stand to your feet right now? What kind of clutter do you have in your life? Maybe you got some spiritual clutter. Maybe there's some things in your mind, some clutter in your mind, some unforgiveness in your heart. Maybe there's some clutter in your home, spiritual clutter. Maybe there's some unforgiveness or something along that nature that you need to deal with today. What kind of clutter? And maybe you've had some emotional feelings about things going on in the world like we all have. Well, let's pray for God to clean out the clutter right now in our hearts, number one. And uh, that's where it starts, right there. As you bow with me for prayer, we know where it's going. We've read the last page. Oh, yes. And I pray that we can't fix the problems in Washington the world, but we can have the blessings and favor of God on our life right now. How many of y'all want the blessings and favor of God on your life right now? Well, why not right now? Heads are bowed, eyes are closed just for a moment. Why don't you ask God to search any and all clutter that's in your life, in your mind, in your heart, and ask the Lord to remove it. And he will. And maybe, just, maybe you've been distracted from fulfilling God's call on your life and God's purpose. Father, I thank you now that, oh Lord, you've called us for days like this. You told us it wouldn't be easy, but you said in the world we'll have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. Hallelujah. Lord, we bless you for your grace is sufficient. And uh, Lord, your strength is made perfect in weakness. And we thank you, Jesus, we have been called to be overcomers. I pray that you'll cause us to rise above the world's attitudes and the lack of love in our world. And, oh, Father, the worry that's uh, an anxiety that's so prevalent uh, among us. We thank you, Jesus, that... Uh, you love us. You've got a plan for us. So I pray blessings on those that are here. Maybe some need the rededication of their life. Maybe some need to, Father, for the first time, step out and say, I need a relationship with the living God. All this is coming in, and I'm helpless to overcome this. I pray that first step of faith, turning from sin and turning to our Savior, the Lord Jesus. And so we thank you now for those that have gathered what you're doing in our hearts. We pray that you'll move on us to have the kind of faith that says, I will not let thee go until they bless me. And we love you, Lord, and praise you now for victory in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen.